It's inflation, fuel prices, job shortages, supply chains, all that stuff that seems to just keep on going on and on and not getting any better. And with it, greater chances of rate rises and tapering from the Fed. We'll look at all of that, including the CPI numbers from the US, the FOMC minutes this morning, UK GDP numbers, and the Australian employment numbers that are out today. It's Thursday, the 14th of October, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, quite a fall in the US dollar this morning. It lost 0.1% on the Japanese yen, 0.6% lost to the Swiss franc, and the euro has gained half a percent. That accounts for a large part of why the US dollar is down. Treasury yields are down three basis points to 1.55%, with similar size shifts downwards on European yields. But 10-year gilts in the UK, their yields are down six basis points. 30 years in the UK are down 11 basis points this morning. And US stocks are mixed, with tech doing fairly well, and Nasdaq is up 0.6%. The S&P 500 up a quarter percent. The Dow is looking fairly flat. Uh, Shares higher in Europe, uh, quite a bit higher actually. The Eurostox 50 and the DAX both up 0.7%. The FTSE 100, well, just 0.2% up. And commodities have eased a little. Brent and WTI down a tiny bit, but gas prices keep on rising. Gold is up 2%. Copper is up 4.6%, the highest it's been for a few months. So another day, another story to tell. And to tell it today, David DeGaris from NAB in London, uh, although, you know, it really is the same story. It's inflation, isn't it? And we had those CPI numbers out of the US at 0.4% month on month. That's its 5.4% year on year, which is the highest it's been in 13 years. So it keeps on getting up there. It, it has, Phil. Um, the, you know, it's one of those releases that the market always pays close attention to. And this one, particularly at this junction, with a lot of the market focus on inflation and inflationary expectations. And of course, the read through for what central banks may or may not do and when. So, mm. as you said, the, the annual US CPI rate at 5.4.0.4 for the month, um, a tenth higher than expected. So, we did see. Um, some support for, uh, for bond yields immediately after that print. Um, but I think once the, once the market had, had a look, little bit more look at the detail of the report, including that the core rate was 0.2% month on month, which was exactly in line with expectations. And, you know, those culprits that we've been talking about for several months, airline fares, used car prices, lodging away from home and the like, most of those went down in the month. So the, the, the one area that still looks susceptible and is likely to get worse before it gets better is in, um, in auto prices. And I've, I think we all understand the um, supply chain issues there. So I think the read through there was that, okay, um, the, 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 the reading wasn't less than expected, was about in line or even a touch higher if you want to look at the headline rate, but supply chain issues are, at, uh, are the main issue there rather than generalised wider inflation. Yeah, absolutely. And then fuel. So outside that that core figure. We, we, of right? course, fuel and f- food, yeah, of well, course. Food, food increased 1.2%. Food at home rather than eating out 1.2% month on month, which sounds like an annual figure, doesn't it, rather than a month on month figure. It does, it does. So that means... Yeah, absolutely. So tapering, obviously, now, front and centre. We had the FRMC minutes uh, out not that mm. long ago. They included the line that we've already heard from Jerome Powell that a gradual tapering process that uh, concludes around the middle of next year would be likely to be appropriate. Uh, well, that seems more certain than ever now, doesn't it? I think so. I think the um, 
that was really settled after the last payrolls report. Now, we know from Fed Chair wasn't looking for a knockout number there, and that was certainly not a knockout number. It was an okay number, right? We've still had labour market improvement. You know, we know that, um, you know, you and Ray were talking about the higher quit rate in the job openings report. The yep. jobs report is a sign of... Um, you know, labour market confidence, if you want it, from, from an employee's point of view. So, um, you know, the, the, the minutes today are saying that with a decision, if there's a decision in, in November, they could actually start as early as mid-November or, or mid-December. So I think the market's been thinking about that was probably more likely to be December. Now, I don't think one month makes a whole lot of difference, to be quite be quite honest with you and we need to distinguish between the tapering decision and, and rate liftoff so well i mean on the rate liftoff i mean they're really still saying aren't they we've got to reach maximum employment so they are yes for, for both of them they're looking at those employment numbers but they're not going to do anything until they reach maximum employment whatever number that's going to be uh, and yes. that could, that, you know that could take a long time well, it's not of just one number, but it's probably a suite of numbers, Phil. So one thing that, that the minutes do talk about is not just what the unemployment rate is and might be, but also the participation rate, how that's been lagging, uh, how the you know, employment population ratios, and we know that they're looking at you know, cross-sectional measures across you know, different job types, um, skill sets, education, all those, ethnic, ethnicity, all those sorts of things. So... It's a much more far-reaching measure. Of course, what we don't know at this stage is whether inflation is going to intervene in an ongoing sense in the meantime. But what we do know is that this supply chain issue is uh, is dragging on. It looks like it's going to drag on, in, you know, into some part of next year at least. Well, if we get wage push inflation because uh, of this discrepancy between the, the number of people looking for work and the number of jobs, then I mean that that, mm. is, that is less than transitory inflation, isn't it? But on on the on the fuel side, I mean, there's talk that you know this crisis that we've been seeing in Europe could actually get worse in the United States as well. That their oil demand will outstrip supply, their reserves could dry up, oil prices could be pushed even higher. We get the uh, EIA inventory numbers for oil in the US uh, tomorrow morning. Mm. But, I mean, just look at those CPI numbers. I mean, uh, you know, fuel oil up 3.9% month on month, uh, pipe gas into the home 2.7% month on month. They're, they're, yes. they're big numbers, aren't they? So uh, it doesn't help that Jeff Bezos keeps shooting people out into space as well. That must use up a bit of fuel. Uh, but where, where does it where, where does it end? I wonder. Well, I, I think the market hopes that inflation won't boldly go where no man has gone before. <laughs> That's but not, yeah. uh, <laughs> just, but um, you, you're mentioning some of the figures there in the US CPI report. Well, you know, if, we, if you map those back to what might happen in the UK or Europe, you know, you're looking at a potential multiple of those sort of figures. Mm. You know, yeah. in, in in UK and Europe. So plus what's happening on the oil price front. So I think, you know, UK drivers are seeing that now and we'll see it in their fuel bills, you know, as early as, you know, the next next bills. So yeah. we know that the cap is being raised by 12.2% and others will get larger price rises than that. So that's certainly coming down the pipe. Yeah, down, or, or, or down the tank. Yeah, down the grid, the pipe or the tank. Actually, it's the, it's the tankers that, that is the problem in Europe, isn't it? I mean, it's a multifaceted problem here because it's the shortage of tanker drivers, which is uh, creating part of the uh, the problems in, in Europe and the UK, of course. And that hasn't helped uh, the uh, – this is a this is a good segue here. I'm quite proud of this one. That hasn't helped the uh, GDP figure in August for the UK <laughs> either. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Very so, impressive. Uh, at 0.4%, uh, mainly because of service industries, 
is. But um, yes. if, if we look elsewhere, then certainly. Uh, and in fact, you know, even on the service industries, that has been helped, I was reading, by people heading off to arts and music festivals, uh, So, uh, which is a one-month-only thing. So, you know, won't be quite so good in September, perhaps. But elsewhere, those numbers weren't looking quite so good, were they? No, they were choppy, weren't they? Yeah. Um, you know, construction was down for the second month in a row. I think manufacturing was up, but services was up, but not as much as he expected. So August was the first full month uh, beyond the restrictions, which formally came off or ended, what was it, July 17, thereabouts, if my memory is correct. Um, but it was also the month, and you, you know, I'm sure that a lot of local listeners here in the UK will remember the the pandemic. So yes. there are a lot of people off work, so that would have affected people employed in the in the high contact industries, but also in other industries as well. So, um, mm. the, you know, and we've seen, we've seen that in the PMIs as well. So it was further growth. Um, we've had we're having some of the reopening, but it's been sort of a stop-start episode, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And look, manufacturing was two point four percent down actually that month. Construction one and a half percent down. If we look at uh, industrial production in Europe as well in August, that was one point six percent down. These weren't the numbers we were expecting, were they? When we were thinking it was all no. going to be plain sailing out of the uh, out of the pandemic. Well, I think the demand side and the income side has been very strong coming out of the pandemic. It's just mm. that the supply side hasn't been able to keep up with the demand for all the sorts of reasons that we've been speaking about. So yeah, yeah. labour supply and, I guess, reticence amongst some people, you know, without permanent jobs, you know, to go back to the workforce or to take more time to consider their situation given the uh, the Delta variant. Now, here's a sign that things are returning to normal, though, Dave. Uh, people are talking about Brexit again. Uh, so oh, yes. Uh, can we go back to the pandemic now? Uh, there's uh, those talks between the UK and the EU over the Northern Ireland Protocol, which obviously was botched together uh, very quickly to try and get the deal through. The, uh, the UK wants to renege on the deal. The EU has agreed to cut back quite a lot on the paperwork for goods heading into to Northern mm. Ireland. But the sticking mm. point in, the, in this is, is that any dispute still needs to be overseen by the European Court of Justice. Um, yes. So um, is this important right now? I mean, uh, or, or is it just something going on in the background, which always seems to be going on in the background? Yeah, I think I think there's probably a little bit of that, Phil. But um, <clears throat> it seems to me by reading what uh, the Europeans are offering, we heard from uh, Marosh Sefcevic, if I've pronounced Easy his name correctly, yeah. um, that, the, that Europe is allowing most of the uh, the goods to enter Northern Ireland without checks mm. and that, you know, trucks will have, what, one piece one of check. paperwork to yeah. do rather than multiple pieces or thousands of pieces of paperwork to do. Uh, that includes, you know, medicines. It also includes, you know, perishable goods, sausages so what does, what, and... Yeah, so we, they so get forth. the sausages in, absolutely. So what does this mean for markets? I guess it means it could be bad for sterling, could it, if uh, if they if Europe plays hardball or, or, the, or the UK plays hardball and someone decides they're going to invoke Article 16 and, and basically what they're you yes. know, the nuclear option. That's not well, going well, well, to be good. What we, it, it, it's a process, isn't it? And the next part of the process is that... Um, Lord David Frost and uh, Mr. Sefcovic are meeting on Friday, apparently. Mm. So talks are proceeding, over, particularly over that sticking point, it seems, yeah. with the European Court of Justice and whether they will have overarching authority on right. arbitrating on, on any disputes. And, of course, behind all this is the um, 
the Belfast Agreement, the um, you know the Good Friday Agreement. Yeah. So will that stay? Um, neither side wants to. Um, I'm sure anything that might upset that. I'm so, sure Gavin will want to pick up on this as well tomorrow. So let's move on very quickly because we had China's trade data as well. So exports picked up. That's a good thing. Up 28.1% in September. Imports have grown less than expected, up 17.6%. Still up, of course. Uh, but it means their balance of trade has taken a leap forward. So, uh, But we're also seeing loan growth slowing quite a bit as well. So it seems like the domestic economy seems to be slowing. I mean, perhaps real estate's a chunk of that, given that everything we've been seeing in that space. But exports are picking up as well. So, and we're going to get the, uh, the the CPI and producer prices as well for China later on. So we'll see how inflation plays into that story. Well, we will, particularly the producer prices, I think, Phil, which will be reflecting some of the commodity dislocations that we've seen. And of course, uh, China has been uh, facing its own energy crisis. So we know that they've been buying, or they've intention to buy it, what it all costs. So uh, it's a big issue for them. So. You know, coal prices and the like have been extremely elevated. And, of course, Australia is on the selling end of that commodity right now. So uh, Australia's employment numbers are out today. Not sure if they're going to tell us much, given all the uh, the lockdowns. I see Josh Frydenberg has been saying he expects 3% is going to be the amount knocked off the New South Wales and Victorian economies in the September quarter, which is mm-hmm. quite a bit more than was expected just a few weeks back, isn't it? So, but uh, a positive front uh, is, going to, is, is a big leap in jobs ads that we're seeing at the moment. Yeah, I, I think that the message, the read-through in this number, Phil, we suspect will be more in hours worked rather mm. than in headcount. And we've already seen, haven't we, through the seat and other numbers that Labor demand is really strongly on the rebound, as we saw in the NAB survey uh, yesterday with the, the with the improvement in confidence in New South Wales and Victoria. So, as you said, does this number matter for, for markets right now? I think they're watching more closely vaccination rates and uh, New South Wales and Victoria coming out of lockdown. Yeah. All right. Guy DeBell from the RBA is giving a speech later on today, but it, it's, it's about climate change primarily, isn't it? The CFA uh, investment conference. A couple of Bank of England speakers as well today. They might give us some hints on uh, an interest rate rises. Those weekly jobless claims for the US tonight as well. So there's quite a bit to chew over and uh, and more on Brexit, should you be that way inclined. Uh, we'll, Indeed. We'll leave it there for now. Good to talk, though. See you soon. Speak soon, Phil. Cheers. That's Dave DeGuys. You'll hear more from him next week. I'm Phil Dobby. You'll hear more from me tomorrow morning when I'm joined by Gavin Friend. Have yourself a great day. See you then.